All right, on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about agnosticism and the dangers of it and a little more evidence for the doctrine of the Trinity. Stick around. It's coming up next. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another for his name's sake. Prescribe truth, we giving you what the doctor ordered. Jamal Bandy, apologist, the Lord's servant. We undeserving, but Christ changed our mind frame. In a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Prescribing Truth Podcast right here on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash prescribe truth. I'm JB. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please remember to subscribe if you haven't already and hit that notification bell to the side so you'll be notified we have new upcoming content. Really appreciate that. If you're listening to this on your podcast apps, please remember to leave a rating and a review, especially on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play and stuff like that. So, yeah, and I'm available on all your favorite iOS podcast apps. So, yeah, if you'd like to contact me, you could do so by emailing me at prescribed.truth at gmail.com, or you can call in, leave a voicemail, or chop it up with me at 801-980-6333. Um, if you'd like to support the show financially, you can do so by partnering with us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash prescribed truth. We have different award tiers starting anywhere from a dollar and up. And for the $20 and up patrons, we have t-shirts. Hold on a second. I'm going to try to show it to you. All right. So we have different designs. Um, that's one of the newer ones there. And that's a new one there. I'm dealing with the Greek. And so, yeah, $20 and up patrons receive a t-shirt. No matter which design. Um, I'm trying to work on some other stuff that I can put with the $20, like a little care package. I'm working on that. So, uh, before we get started, I want to just start off by saying thank you so much for those who have subscribed to our channel so far. I have reached my first goal of 100 subscribers. This may not seem big compared to those who have hundreds of thousands and thousands, but it's big for me because there's 100 people who have listened to this channel and have benefited from it and uh, who support. And I just think about it like this. Man, there was a room full of 100 people willing to listen to this podcast. Man, I'll be, I'll be a little nervous, you know. And so it may not be a thousand people, but I'm happy for the hundred. So thank y'all so much, uh, man. So I, I plan on releasing a special video in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so you have to wait and see what it is. I want to tell you about it, but we have to wait and see what it is. It's going to be a skit. It's not going to be a podcast or anything like that. It's going to be, uh, you know, something like a little something, something, something. So you have to wait and see what that is. So I look forward to doing that. It's something I've been wanting to do. Um, that was something I said I would do once I reach a hundred subscribers. And so. I've hit that mark. So for you guys, this is for you guys. Thank you so much. Um, next, my uh, video um, uh, doing a review of the Carlton Pearson uh, movie that came on Netflix. That's my first video that I've had to ever reach 100, I mean not 100, but 1,000 um, views. So that's cool. Um, you guys can check it out. Let me know what your thoughts on that. And uh, it'd be cool. Uh, a little bit what I'm dealing with today are going to be dealing with some of the interactions that I had from that video in the comment section. Um, particularly one person for today's show, 
and you can check it out. Uh, you can look at the comments. You can read it. I'm not going to put the person's name because I doubt they're going to listen to this, the follow-up to this. But um, you guys can go back and read the comments and see what was said. And if you think I said something wrong or off, you can comment that and let me know. Um, but yeah, that's what we're dealing with. So jumping right into it. The issue that I had with this particular commenter is that the truth is completely relative when concerning God. Um, so dealing with Carlton Pearson, he dealing with his heresy, uh, and you know, as far as his stance on who God is and what the Bible teaches and so on and so forth, this person uh, felt the need to comment and say, hey, well, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe, whatever makes you happy, as long as you're happy. If he's happy, leave him alone. You know, you're having what you believe, you're good. And so the problem with this kind of idea is that you don't live that way. Now, I did a video before uh, called uh, Absolute Truth for Atheists and Agnostics. And in that same video, I did with the same thing, and I said the same thing. You don't live that way. Only time people want to throw up this idea of relative truth is when it comes, when it comes, when it comes to God. Anything else in your life, there's no relative truth. It's true. You go to the bank, you expect you you put money in, you expect to get the money you put in out. If that bank teller tells you something different than what you know is in your account, you're not gonna say, Well, that's just your perspective. You're gonna say, No, give me my money. And so that's that. So and now agnosticism is so dangerous. It's because you you live your life, uh Thinking that well, there is a God, but we don't. Nobody knows what true uh, God is out there, or you know who has the truth about God. So you go through your life and you live your life doing whatever it is you do, and you think that okay, well, I live a good moral life. That will be enough to stand before whatever comes out to be the true God, and that's just not the case. You know, what I'm saying like, what if you live your life? Believing that, well, I believe in a higher power, but nobody knows what the true thing is about God or if if he's real or not. Nobody really knows. And you live your life. How do you expect to stand before that God and give a, give a reason why you lived your life not believing in him? I mean, what, what, would, you say, what would you say? Oh, well, God, I, I, I spent my life searching. And um, the people kept giving me evidences and people kept talking to me, but nothing really swayed me. You can't blame me for not believing in you. You got to let me in. Don't punish me because I didn't know. But see, I love what the scripture says in Romans 1. Everybody knows who God is, but they suppress that truth in their unrighteousness. And another verse in that same chapter says that they exchange the truth about God for a lie. And they rather worship the creation rather than the creator. That is the truth of our society. That is the truth of those who call themselves agnostics. They, they're comfortable in saying, well, I'm not going to say there's no God. But, I mean, there's something out there that we don't know. And that reminds me of, of an encounter that Paul had when he went to Areopagus. You know, the people that was worshiping what they called the unknown God. Sounds to me that that was a bunch of agnostics. And Paul addressed them. 
He said, well, let me tell you about who is there. Let me tell you about, you call him the unknown God. Let me tell you about the known God. And he began to share with them, you know. So um, this is dangerous. You know, uh, this particular person commented, and their quote was, I choose to believe that no belief is erroneous if it works for you and hurts no one else. Now, that sounds so noble and it sounds so good on the outside. But when you break it down, this is actually somebody who's saying that, hey, truth is relative, yet it's not. Why why'd I say that? Well, this person says, I choose to believe. So this is their perspective. You know, so I just may choose not to believe that. But for them, I choose to believe that no belief is erroneous. So no belief out there is wrong. If it works for you. Now, so it's basically your perspective. But then this person adds on and hurts no one else. Whoa. Wait a minute. Why the standard? Where'd that come from? So if this is just your relative perspective, that nothing is wrong as long as it doesn't hurt nobody else, then what about the other person who says nothing is wrong and it doesn't matter if you hurt somebody else? Who's right? Who's wrong? I mean, what about that? What about ISIS? Going out there murdering people, blowing up people because of what they believe. And you say, well, I believe that's wrong. But is it truly wrong? You can't say because that's just your opinion. That's just your perspective. So you can't say that the suicide bomber is wrong. Not objectively. You have to say that it's just your opinion. And you don't live like that. You don't live like that, man. But when it comes to God, oh, yeah, whatever you want, whatever I want, long as we're happy. People, happiness is so cheap. You could be happy today. Matter of fact, you could be happy in this moment and be sad the next moment. That's what happiness does. It's cheap. It comes, it goes. But joy, true joy. Last for a lifetime, regardless of what situations come. But the thing is, we don't have true joy without Christ. You may think you can. You may think that's joy. It's not. True joy only comes in the true living God. Only. So, this, I, this, this thing with relative truth blows my mind every time. I never really understand how you can be consistent in that worldview. And uh, I know people may listen to this and be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just Christian. But I have yet to have somebody who be able to deal with what I'm bringing up to them when it comes to them being consistent. Is something always wrong? Is rape always wrong? Is unlawful an innocent murder always wrong. You can't say it is if you only believe that truth is relative. Because then you have to have a standard by which, by which you would judge that. And so for this person who commented to say, well, your, your belief isn't wrong as long as it doesn't hurt nobody. 
you're laying up a standard and you're hiding behind perspective. See, this how I know the scripture is true. Is that it is foolish to, to want to uh, get rid of God in your mind as if you're just covering your eyes and act like he's not there. It's foolish. It is. It doesn't make sense. And so it's, it's like this. I, I mentioned this in the video before. Claiming that it doesn't matter what people believe as long as what makes you happy. And, and claiming that truth is relative is just as if being at home at night and then a burglar breaks in your home and is coming to cause you harm. Yet you just put the cover over your face and then you say, they're not here. They're not here. No one's here. I'm here by myself. But the reality is the burglar's still there. The reality is, you're still in danger. You can cover your face. You can chant that all you want. It doesn't matter. It's not going to make them go away. It's the same thing with concerning God. You can keep covering your eyes and hiding behind perspective. And that truth is only relative to what makes you happy. But that doesn't make the reality go away. That there's a holy and righteous God who has revealed himself through his word because he's God and he does whatever he pleases. So this is how he chose to reveal himself and it's consistent and it's reliable and it's without error. Yeah. And he will judge. He will judge everyone according to their deeds. Only those who are found in Christ will have everlasting life. That's reality. You can cover your eyes all you want to. It's not going to make it go away. I care about you. I hope that if you're listening, if you stand on this belief that uh, that it doesn't really matter, uh, we don't really know, I would encourage you. I would encourage you. Read the word. Look at the evidences before you. You know, I pray that, that you will hear the gospel. If you don't hear it through here, that you will hear the gospel. That you will know. And come to realize that you're broken, you're a sinner, and you're in need of salvation, and it's only in Christ. You're not going to get it from Allah. You're not going to get it from Buddha. You're not going to get it from uh, Jehovah's Witnesses Doctrine. You're not going to get it from the Mormon Doctrine. You're only going to come from Christ, the truth that's revealed in the scriptures. Now, I know I got some other feedback before because um, I claim that Christianity is exclusive, and it is. The scriptures teach that it is. You know, Jesus says that no one comes to the Father but by me. That's what he said. He didn't say me and no one comes to the Father but by me. And no one comes to me unless they've been drawn by the Father. Beautiful. But that's our Lord. So I'm hoping to, to do away with this idea of this relative truth, man. Which I know. Uh, people can do podcasts until they turn blue in the face. Um, there could be so many debates until people turn blue in the face. But people are going to believe that they're going to believe. Why? Because we live in a broken world and we are broken human beings. And the only way, the only way that we can be fixed is by God, by God's spirit. 
only way. Speaking of the spirit, um, we're gonna we're gonna segue right now into uh, another objection concerning the uh, the triune nature of God, and then I'm gonna be giving some proof for the personhood of the Holy Spirit. So, what's this objection? So now I, I talked to a oneness. Um, I don't know if oneness Pentecostal or not. Probably was, but anyway, they claimed to me that Jesus and the Father are the same person. So, oh, and then the uh, segue to that is that basically the Father indwelled the body of Jesus. That was their objection as they looked through the scriptures. Well, we're gonna we're gonna look at that. We're gonna deal with that. One second, let me pull up my trusty Eastward app. Right. All right, so we got the Eastward app here. Now we're going to look at John chapter 8, um, verse 16 to 23. We're going to look at this real quick. Now, this is on the basis of saying that Jesus and the Father are the same person. But we're going to look at scripture to show how that's completely erroneous and contradictory to scripture. Cool? Cool. All right, so John 8, starting at verse 16. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Now, um, give you a little context. The, uh, the Pharisees are saying that Jesus is basically testifying of himself only. You know, as far as his works, as who he is, A, B, and C. And Jesus gives a response. And he says, well, I'm going to start at verse 14 as answer. He says, Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Verse 16. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge. That word, alone. Not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Now, people have a hard time who believes that Jesus and the Father are the same person with Jesus saying this. They have to do a lot of gymnastics and say, well, it's the, it's the body of Jesus speaking, you know, and then the Father's in him. What does scripture say is that? What does scripture ever say that Jesus is basically speaking from two separate persons within himself, the flesh person and then the spirit person? Scripture doesn't tell us that. Jesus is speaking and he is saying that my witness is true and it is not I alone who judge. That means not him by himself, but I and the Father who sent me. Now, Briefly, I just want to lay out how this contradiction uh, shows that, it, well, it has problems even when it comes to the virgin birth. If you believe that the Father is one who indwelt Jesus, well, keep in mind how the scriptures say um, Mary came about being pregnant. It says she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And think about what um, John 1 says, which says the word became flesh and, and made a dwelling among us. So. If you believe that the body of Jesus had his own personality and speaking of something other than himself or someone other than himself, then 
you would have to believe that in the, in the birth of Mary, there was another seed other than that of the Holy Spirit. Because what became flesh was spirit. The Son became flesh. It, it wasn't the, the, the Father indwelling a body that was already there or a soul that's already there. And now that person has its own personality that just indwelt by the Father. That's not what took place. The, the eternal word of God, John 1, became flesh. Became, took on flesh. Okay? Not took on a whole another person, but took on flesh. Took on a whole other nature. And so this can't be a person speaking about another person on the inside of them. This is Jesus speaking about himself, and he's saying, that it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Okay? So, there's a lot of stuff you got to think about if you believe that Jesus and the Father are the same. Mm. And it says, verse 17, in your law, now he's talking to the Pharisees, that in your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. Wait a minute. Remember, the testimony of two people. Now, he just said, that it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Now, if you believe that Jesus and the Father are the same person, and then it's not like the body person speaking, but you believe all of that's the Father, well, then Jesus would be lying here. Because he's saying that it's not just I alone. He says, I and the Father. Which you will be making God say, well, it's just me. Even though he just made a case for two people. Even in his law, he says, in your law is written that the testimony of two people is true. And he says, I am the one who bears witness about myself and the father who sent me bears witness about me. That's two people, y'all. Two people. So the father cannot be indwelling Jesus because that would be just one person bear witness about Jesus. Not two. That's not what the scripture says. Okay. Then it's verse 18. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. All right, it's verse 18. Verse 19. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I am going, you cannot come? Verse 23, he said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. So this right here, Jesus is speaking, his own person, says, I'm from above. If you believe that this person speaking is like the body of Jesus, then he's not from above. He's from the womb. See? But Jesus says, I'm from above, because this is the eternal word that took on flesh. As John 1 states, 
John is consistent throughout his gospel who Jesus is. No mistake that Jesus is indeed God in the flesh, but he's not the father. He's the eternal son who took on flesh. All right. Mm. So that's one verse here. Now, uh, I want to look at another uh, briefly, try to briefly. We're going to first look at Psalm 102. Now, I want to show here how it's the Father who calls Jesus Lord or Yahweh. Now, if you go to the Old Testament, there's only one Yahweh. Only one. Okay? Just like it's only, we only believe in one God. Even the Trinitarians, we believe in one God. Monotheistic. But yet, the Father calls the Son Yahweh. Now, you say, well, how do you know that? What happened? All right, so we're going to look at Psalm 102. All right. So now um, let's read verse one, and we're gonna see what the context about um, what this psalm is about. So it says, "A prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord." Now, so you see, this is a this is a, a prayer to Yahweh. That's why it's all capitalized. It says, "Hear my prayer, O Lord." So this person who's praying is speaking to Yahweh. That's important. Now, as you read all through this, I'm not going to read through all this, but jump down to verse 25. This person is still speaking about Yahweh, still speaking about the Lord. And verse 25 says, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Who hands? Yahweh hands. The Lord hands. Nobody else. Lord. Verse 26. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. Alright? So you stop there. That's 27. Now let's jump real quick to Hebrews chapter 1. Now keep in mind, that psalm was about Yahweh, person praying their complaint to Yahweh, yet giving him praise. So go to Hebrews chapter 1. Now we're going to start at verse 1. Well, and we'll do verse 1 and 2, and we're going to jump down. Alright? So it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Who spoke to the fathers by the prophets? God did. But in these last days, he, who's the he? God. He has spoken to us by his son, God's son, whom he, God, appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The world was created through Jesus and for him. So through the son and for him. Wait a minute. If the son did not come to be until the virgin birth, how did he create the world through him? Hmm. All right, so anyway, so, so we got to know here that the writer of Hebrews is using God here and speaking of the Father, not a separate, um, a whole person that's God versus the Son, but the Father, okay? That's just the context of it. All right, so by his Son, 
right, that's that's um verse two. Now let's jump to um uh, verse eight. So this is God speaking. And it's first now first it shows how God said these said some things of the angels. Uh, let, let's let's give that. It says verse five, for to which of the angels did God ever say, "You are my son; today I have begotten you"? Or again, "I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son." And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he God says, "Let all God's angels worship him." Worship him? Who? Who's who? Who's being worshipped? The son. All right. And of the angels, he says. So it's still God. Of the angel, he says. Um, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Now, verse eight. But of the son, he says. So wait. So of the son. So this is something that's spoken about the son, and it is God who's saying it. Okay. So but of the son, God says. Your throne, O God, pause. So we have the Son being called God by the Father. Ooh, God calling the Son God because they're both God. The Son and the Father are God. Not two gods, not multiple gods, but they're, they share the same essence, yet they're distinct in persons. He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Now, verse 10, there's a conjunction. It says, and. So this is still continuing being said about the son. Remember what we read in Psalm 102. So Hebrews 1.10. And. You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. The sun laid down the foundation of the earth in the beginning. So, and this is God saying it's about the sun. Oh, this means that John is being consistent when he said in John 1 that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Huh. So it says, and you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Wait a minute. In Psalm 102, these things were said of Yahweh. So are you telling me Yahweh is a son as well? Hmm. Because these things were only said of Yahweh. This is a, this is referring back to that psalm. Psalm 102, exact wording. They will perish, verse 11, they will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will robe them up like a garment. They will be changed. But you are the same, and your years have no end. The sun is eternal. Oh, beautiful. So no, the father and the son are not the same person. This is talking about Jesus. It's about saying, but of the son, it's talking about Jesus. It says of the son, he was there. He laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning. And it's the father who's saying these things about Jesus. Mm. That, that is right there should be evidence of, of the triune nature of God right there. At least you see plurality of persons. 
But now, let's look at some more evidence. Let's look at the personhood of the Holy Spirit. So here I'm just going to point out some scriptures. And we may put up a couple of them that show the personhood of the Spirit. So there are some people who believe that the Holy Spirit is just a force. That um, that it's a that it's a it versus a he. And actually, he speaks and he teaches. Um, and so we're going to look at some scripture. So the first one we're going to look at is that the Holy Spirit can. Uh, let's look at Romans eight twenty six. The Holy Spirit prays. So Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, itself, no, himself, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with the groanings too deep for words. So we have the Spirit interceding. Can a mere thing intercede? Can just an active force intercede? What is what is contained in intercession? Speaking. You have thought. Uh, communication. Uh, intellect. A will. There's a lot in that. For the spirit to intercede. That means it's not an it or an adamant object, a, a force thing that just does stuff. This is personal. This per this is a person. The spirit helps us in our weakness. All right, so that's one. That shows the person of the spirit. Now, you'll say, well, this this is all to the Father. Well, you have to be saying that we're indwelled by the Father, because the Holy Spirit who fell. Jesus says, "I and the Father will send back a Comforter." Who will send you a comforter. He will testify of me. He will guide you into all truth. Even Jesus makes it personal. Makes him personal. And so, yeah, you're going to be very stretched to say that the Father is one who indwells believers. You know, at the Pentecost. That's just simply not the case. So, here we got the Holy Spirit interceding. Um... Let's look at Romans 8, 14, just going a few verses um, back. Now, verse 13, we're seeing some contrast. And so it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. So this means that the Holy Spirit is not just an act of force who comes and just does something to you. And that's all he's doing. But no, he leads. The Holy Spirit guides. The Holy Spirit leads you. An active force can't do that. You know, the Holy Spirit leads you. And if this was just talking about the Father, there'd be no need to say all this. Because you already know the Father does all these things. The Father decreed these things. There'd be no need to say it. Because you already know. But this is encouraging to the believer. So there's like... In the Old Testament, the, the, the Trinity was revealed there, like as far as being known. 
But the New Testament, these things are brought out because Jesus made them known. Just like John 1 says in 18, he says, The only begotten God, who's at the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. Because no one has ever seen God. Um, I should paraphrase that. But that's all scripture. All right, so let's look at another one. Um, Holy Spirit. Yeah, John 14, 26. John 14, 26. All right. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, there he is, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now you have the Trinity all there in that verse. You got the Holy Spirit, Father, and Christ, and Jesus, the Son being mentioned here the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in whose name in my name jesus speaking my name he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that i have said to you peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives do i give to you but let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid hmm. I'm going to continue reading. <laughs> he said, you heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. If the Father was already indwelling Jesus, how would you say I'm going to the Father? Why? Isn't this before the crucifixion? He says, I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. Now, this is not talking about greater as in more powerful, but it's talking about position. If you read, if you read, um, I think it's the Philippians. It says that Jesus, that he took on flesh, he humbled himself. And he took on, he took on the body of a servant. And willfully, out of obedience, went to the cross. So, it's talking about levels here, as far as rank. But it's not talking about as far as being greater as more powerful, A, B, and C. This is why this, but this here is showing a clear distinction between the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit is still being mentioned. Triune in nature. All right. So, um, those are two scriptures I gave as far as the personhood of the Holy Spirit teaches. We looked at one that He intercedes. Um, We got another we got scripture that says how he convicts of sin. Um oh, first Corinthians twelve, eight through eleven. Yeah, let's just get let's look at that. First Corinthians uh what I said twelve, eight through eleven. Let's be the last one. So pass my time. So verse eight. Now this is talking about the gifts. And it says, for to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, 
to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So this is not a thing. It's not a. This is not just a some act of force. This is actually a person who making decisions, who sees an individual, and gives him gifts according to his will, spirit. He does these things. All right. So I hope I hope that's been helpful to you. Let's switch back real quick. Yeah. So that's the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, I invite you to get some pushback, uh, or if you have more verses that you want to throw out there. I mean, there's a whole list of verses I could have I could have put out as far as you know the personhood of the Holy Spirit. I just chose a couple. I'm already at 42 minutes, and so um, so yeah, personal spirit. So that's another evidence as far as the plurality in the Godhead and uh, how there's three persons because we talk a lot about the Father and the Son and them being personal. But what about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit also is personal and it's also God. All right. So that's that. So let's get some music turned on here. All right. So remember to leave a comment. Let me know what you think about what's being said. If you have any pushback or anything like that, check out the video to the side. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. And remember, this world is full of errors, but the only thing the doctor prescribes is true. Blessings.